0: Welcome to Passion Life Church this morning. If you have your Bibles, let's turn to John chapter 7, verse 37. We're continuing a series entitled Seasons. And how many of you know our season is changing right now? Today was cold, somebody. And I like the cold because I get to bring out some of my jackets and and sweaters and and different things like that. But life has seasons to it. But I, I love talking about seasons because I think it helps us realize that there is a season to everything. Can I hear a good amen today? There's a season. And it helps us to realize that there's a season for everything that God has for us. And I believe that many of us in this room are believing for God to do things in our lives. We're believing for the dream that he has for us, or maybe the vision, or you know what? Some of us may be in here and we're single and we, we, we're looking for that day, that someone where we can get married. How many single people do we have in the house today? Would you raise your hand? Come on, there's no shame in that game. Come on, li- come on, just real quick, lift it up high. Cool. Come on, let's look Look what we're working with, guys. Everybody, come on, lift that up. So here's what we're going to do right after the service today. Come on. At the Welcome Center. Real quick, we're going to meet. All right? Get out your Come on. That's how we, we call that a divine appointment at church. So go to the Welcome Center. And you know there's that guy that's going to go to the Welcome Center. He's like, where is everybody? Pastor said, I'm going to find the one for me. But uh, I'm glad you came. But maybe you're you're waiting for that someone, you're looking to get married or you know you have the dream of the business or the promotion that you're waiting on. And I love this series because it helps us to realize, just like Ecclesiastes chapter three, verse one says, to everything, everything, there's a season. To everything, listen, there is a time. There's a time for everything, a time and every purpose under heaven. I think that it's so important that we remind ourselves that we serve a strategic God. Listen, he is not accidental. He is very strategic. He is very intentional, even to the place that and to the point that he looked into 2019 and thought that your best life would be lived at this moment. That before you were born, he would be so intentional, so It's strategic that he would put you in 2019 right now. He could have put you in any time in history, but he puts you right now. Why? Because he's a strategic God, not accidental. You're here on purpose and at the right time. Can I hear a good amen today? And God knew exactly. He knew exactly what he was doing. Now, sometimes we don't know what God is doing, but I just want to encourage you. It's not an accident today that you're here. It's not even a coincidence today that somebody invited you here to church. It is not. God placed you at this time in history, but God wants us to operate in his seasons. God wants us to operate in his timings. And I've entitled today, What to Do When You're In the In-Between. What to do when you're in the in-between. Have you found John chapter 7, verse 37? It says this, on the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, if anyone thirsts, let him come unto me and drink. You know, I just love how Jesus wants to fill our thirst. And so many times I think we're looking to fill our thirst in different things, in different areas. But I think we don't realize that a lot of the thirst that we have is not just a physical or natural thirst, it's actually a spiritual thirst that we have. And he says, I want you to know that I wanna fill that thirst. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spake concerning the spirit whose those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was, watch this my church family, The Holy Spirit was not yet given. Everybody say, not yet. yet. The Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was, what? Not yet glorified. He was not yet glorified. Who is he? Therefore, many from the crowd went. They heard the saying, said, truly, this is the prophet. Others said, this is the Christ. You know, last week I talked about the power of a seed. And we looked at this apple seed and we looked at how small the apple seed, I've always had trouble even this morning putting these seeds in the bag, because they're so small. Seeds can be mismanaged, they can be despised. And if you can see this seed, this is an apple seed, it's so small. I mean, it's really so small. But I was talking about last week in the power of a seed that actually that, which this is right here, I'm holding in my hand an apple, that, is in this. This. I think I even dropped it. But for the sake of the illustration, let's pretend that it's still there. Can you help me out just a little bit while I grab another seed? And so here is the seed, right? And here's the truth. This apple, that right here, is in this because this seed has the potential to produce an apple tree and more apples. You know, Dr. Schuler said this. Robert Schuler said, "You can count the seeds in an apple, but you cannot count the apples inside the seed." And so we can look at something as small as this seed, and there it is. I lost it again. And because it's black, and this thing is black, I, I can't really see it. But here's the reality of it, is that you can count how many seeds, right? You can count the seeds in this apple, but you cannot count the apples. Let me say that again. Could you put that quote up for me? That would help. You can count the seeds in an apple, but you cannot count the apples in one seed because the seed has so much potential. And it's interesting to me that God is the one who makes the seed. This didn't make itself, God made it. But you can despise this seed because it's so small. Now watch this, this seed is meant to be planted. It's meant to be planted, and yet seeds, this will never experience the power and potential of what it can produce unless it's planted, unless it falls to the ground, the Bible says, unless it's put into good seed. Now, watch this, a seed, as you just saw just right now, it just fell from my hand, right? It'll leave your hand, but here's the reality of what happens with a seed, it never leaves your life. When you plant a seed, it may leave your hand, but it never leaves your life. It's kind of like this morning and, and other church services that I've been in, right? We're going to about to take the offering and people are ready. Okay, I'm going about to plant a seed. You know, Pastor Phil, I'm gonna plant a seed. And so you make out a check or you start filling out that envelope and all of a sudden here comes the container. And so you take your envelope and you put it in the container and it starts passing by. You plant the seed, a financial seed, and there goes the container. But your eyes are on that container. As it leaves your hand, you start to look and go, I think I put an extra zero on that Envelope. I don't know. There goes my seed. It's going down the road. Bye. Oh, how long before it hits my bank account? Oh, there goes the seed. And I love it because some of your faces are like that. They're like, as the container, and you just planted a seed, but a seed can't produce unless it's planted. So, but here's the cool thing. You may watch the offering container go by with your seed in it, but because it left your hand doesn't mean that it leaves your life because it's going to come back to you. Even though it left your hand, it will come back to your life. Can I hear a good amen? But here's the reality. The seed has to leave your hand and it has to be planted. Do you know, um, the Bible says that in Psalm One that it actually equates your life in my life to a seed. Psalm chapter one, verse three says this, he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither and whatever he does shall prosper. Come on, say "prosper." prosper. Prosper is not a dirty word. Prosperity is good. As a matter of fact, in the Hebrew, it means this. People who are planted are people who are pushing forward. People who are breaking out. People who are going over. Those are the type of people, planted people, watch this, prosper. Prospering is the result of being planted. And God wants you planted in the kingdom of God. He wants your life to be a part of that. But listen, here's another thing. He also wants us planted in the house of God Psalms 92 verse 13 and 14 says this those who are say that word come on say it loud those who are planted in the house of the Lord look at this they'll flourish in the courts of our God they shall bear fruit in their old age and they shall be fresh and flourishing The Bible talks about people who are planted in the house of God actually have long-term results of flourishing, not just in their youth, but actually in their old age. Anybody want to flourish in their old age? And so when I think about the Bible talking about my life or your life as a seed, I think about what happens when that seed is dropped in the soil. Come on, your life, my life is like a seed and we're dropped in the soil man, it's dark in here, it's dark, I've just been planted. Pastor Phil, I feel I'm underground, help me, help me Pastor Phil, I've been planted, but you know, I feel like I'm dying, it's so dark in here in this soil, I feel like I've been buried, no, you haven't been buried, you're planted, you're planted, it's dark Pastor Phil, I can't see the dream that God has for me, I can't see it because it's too dark. It's okay, listen, you're planted. Watch this, Pastor Phil, nobody can see me. The soil is all around. The soil is dark, I'm not moving. Pastor Phil, I feel trapped right now in my life. Watch this, I feel restricted. Listen, you're not restricted, you're planted. You're planted, but planting is not fun. Planting doesn't feel fun. When we first started planting the church and we opened up, I remember getting here early in the morning and bringing my sweats and helping to set up and set up and sweating going in the back and then changing. And I had to literally slick my hair back with sweat when I got up here because I was planting, because we didn't have a dream team. But now thank God that as we've planted, there's been a process of things growing. And now there's dream team people that are coming in and helping, right? but. planting was not fun but if you're not careful if you don't realize that you may be in a planting season right now planting is not fun but it's necessary it's so necessary in our life and there's a purpose in being planted in good soil the bible says see the place of burial is many times the place where god wants to cultivate the seed the seed cannot be cultivated the seed cannot be nourished listen until it is planted in the soil. And here's what happens. I know you didn't come to science class today, you came to church, but the Lord and the Bible uses this vernacular, this language of being planted. Here's what happens in the soil while you are planted. Do you know that the seed starts to get nourishment from the soil? It starts to cultivate that seed. The soil provides the nutrients that are necessary for the seed to grow. Somebody say grow. So let me ask you this, are you willing to be planted? If you're not willing to be planted, you are not willing to grow. I said in love, see with a smile. If you're not willing to allow the seed and lose ourselves in the soil of God's kingdom, here's what happens. You'll never see the, what a, a seed can produce. Listen, this is not rocket science, but I think we forget. A seed that is never sown will never produce. Let me try this side. A seed that is never sown will never produce. This is why so many people struggle in their Christian life because they keep uprooting themselves. I see people at all different churches and I'm like, when are you gonna get planted? Oh, you know what? This speaker's over here. I like this speaker. Oh, you know what? I like their worship. Oh, you know what? I like their kids' ministry. I like, it. okay, that's good, that's good. But when are you gonna get planted? Because you will never grow as long as you are on the surface. You're gonna to have to dig deep into the soil because only planted things have the capability to grow and to produce. Come on, somebody. And being planted is not a negative thing. It's actually a positive thing because it's actually the first season. It's actually the first thing that has to happen. Are you willing to be planted? And so first, listen, we are planted. Here's what happens. Once you are planted, there is a word that we don't like, but it's necessary. It's called process. It's called process. First process, seed planted, that's the first. Are you willing to be planted? Here's another, here's what happens. Once that seed gets in the soil, it cannot produce because in the soil, if it doesn't have the nutrients to cultivate what it needs, it won't grow. So it's gotta get in the soil. This is what I call the in-between time. I'm in the soil. Now watch this, I'm planted. it's dark. I don't see my dreams. Nobody's seeing me right now, Pastor Phil. I have these big dreams. I haven't met the clients I need to meet. Here's what happens. You're planted. But in the planting process, watch this, for the seed to produce, it has to go through a process of change. Come on, every say that word. Say change. Change. Right when the seed hits the soil, guess what? Boom, it's a new environment. Right off the bat, new environment. It's dark. There's seed, it feels cramped. You know, today maybe somebody invited you to church or you're newly joining Passion Life Church. It's a new environment for you. Can I just say, it's good. Change can be good. It can be good to be in new environments. But let me just tell you something about change real quick. Change is awkward sometimes. Let me tell you why it's awkward. Because it goes beyond our familiar. And if you look at a seed in the soil, it may seem like, man, the seed doesn't really go there. No, the seed goes there, that's what it's for. But it's a new environment. Now watch this. The seed needs the atmosphere and the environment to grow. This is why it's so important that you plant yourself in the right place. The Bible talks about he that's planted by rivers of living water. That's an atmosphere that's conducive for a seed to grow. How many of you know atmospheres have power? You can be in a negative atmosphere and never grow. That's why here at Passion Life Church, we want to create an atmosphere where your gifts can grow. Come on, somebody. A positive, encouraging, full of faith atmosphere that when you put yourself in that atmosphere, things begin to grow. Atmospheres matter. They matter. But watch this. I love this. Because the seed, even though it's underneath, or feels buried in the dark, there's a sun that's shining. And I'm not talking about the S-U-N as much as I'm talking about for you and I's life, I'm talking about the S-O-N, come on somebody. So as I'm planted, here is the sun, the S-O-N, and here's what the sun does. In the dark place, he brings the light. The light is so necessary for a seed because here's what happens, the sun, starts to radiate on the seed and the seed starts to change. The goal of the S-O-N shining on your life is to make you more like Jesus, to make you more like him, not to make you more like anybody else, but him. But for that to happen, there's gotta be change. And I'm focusing on this because I meet a lot of people, man, they talk about growth, they talk about change, but when it's time to forgive, I ain't gonna forgive. Forgiveness is change. I'm going to do that. Hey, speak faith over your situation. I'm going to do that. That's just not how I grew up. Well, you're saying you're not willing to change and you cannot grow if you're not willing to change. Notice how I didn't get any amens on that today because change is tough because it's easy to go into the pattern and the routine. But what, this is what I love. Here is the seed in the soil and it's dark, but the light of the sun is shining down. And here's what happens. See, if when the light starts to shine, And Jesus starts to expose things in your life. Here's what he's doing. He's trying to make you more like him. And when he starts to make you more like him, your attitude starts to come, become like his attitude. So that means the old attitudes, the bad attitudes start to be shedding. Come on, somebody, right? And when he's shining his S-O-N, the light of him in your Planted. Here's what happens. You start to treat people like he treats people. And this little seed, watch this, this little seed that's planted and feels trapped, here's what happens. A little root starts to come out. Little root starts to come out from a seed that was planted. This is what I love. When that root comes out, it starts breaking soil boom boom see planted people start to break through things boom now the soil that was cultivating me now i'm starting little roots start to come out Boom, I'm starting breaking through bad attitudes, boom. I'm not saying the things that I used to say, boom. You know why? Because you're growing, why? Because you were planted, because the light of Jesus is changing you and you cannot have growth without change. My church family, it is impossible. Change means roots start to grow out. And here's what happens, roots start to go deeper into the soil. I love how when I'm talking with people and they're like, man, I want to go deep. I want to go deep. Pastor Phil, that message was so deep today. Oh, really? What did he talk about? I don't know, but it was deep. I love the message. What did he talk about? I don't know. I loved it. Can't remember it, but it was good. Oh, yeah, it was so good that we couldn't remember it. And we want to go so deep, but yet we can't even swim in the shallow. Because swimming in the shallow means that I'm walking in very simple things like forgiveness. I'm walking in very simple things like loving one another. You can't go deep until you take a step into the pool. And so we can talk about going deep, but the reality is going deeper means more change. But here's what I love about change. Change always equals growth. Come on, can I hear a good amen, somebody? Watch this. Yeah, you can give the Lord a good round of applause. And I love it because I want to go deep. I do, I want to go deep, but here's what happens. The roots start breaking through the soil. You know, I looked up this word photosynthesis, pretty interesting what happens in all this process, God has set up how this all works. But photosynthesis is now the light of the sun. Watch this, the plant starts to take the light of the sun. For you and I, it's S-O-N. They take the light of the sun and convert it into energy. Convert it into food. How many of you know you're going to need energy to do what God has called you to do? Come on, you're going to need his word. And so this is all happening. And when we're planted, if you allow that light of the sun, right, to shine on you, it'll change you. But here's what else. It will empower you. It'll give you energy to do what God is calling you to do. So here's what happens in the in-between. In the in-between, there is a process from planting the seed to what the seed can produce. Seed, planted, process, production, what it will produce. That's what I get excited about, to see what God has for you and I. And that is the the fulfillment of what God has for your life. And as you and I, in this season series, we talked about God has moments in our lives. There's divine moments that he wants you to walk into. Kairos moments, the Bible talks about in the Greek. They're divine appointments that God has for your life and your destiny. And as we're believing for those moments, watch this. Let's be patient in the process of God planting us because in the process of change, he's grooming you for the final production of what that will produce. Everybody loves the finished process. Everybody loves the final outcome and the harvest, but little wanna be planted, little wanna go through the process of change. But my church family, that's the only way you will produce what God has for you to produce unless you go in the in-between in between the process. Can I encourage you? God is changing you. He's growing you in the in between. Can I hear a good amen? He's growing you to what he wants you to be. Now watch this. In John chapter seven, verse 39, Jesus was talking about a specific time for himself. If you look in John chapter seven, verse 39, it's kind of interesting. Jesus uses the word, the words, not yet, four times. In the beginning of the chapter, he had his brothers trying to push him to go before his time. And he said, hey, it's not yet my time. Can I just submit to us, a lot of the stress in our lives, a lot of the things that we can be going through aren't always God's will. A lot of it is because we're outside of his timing. And I'm not saying that being in God's timing is always the easiest. But what I I found in talking with people I'm just wondering and I ask myself, did God ask you to do that or are you just doing that? Because if I get outside of his timing, my church family, I get outside of the umbrella of his protection. I get outside and I can get stressed. The Bible says that Jesus' yoke is easy and his burden is light and they were trying to push him to do something. They were actually trying to push Jesus to prove who he was, because they didn't even believe. The Bible says that his own brothers didn't believe in him. Just be careful when people try to push you into a new season that you're not ready to. God will bring it about, but you know what? People have opinion, people wanna put pressure on you, but Jesus said four times in, in John chapter, not yet, not yet. And here's what he said in John 39, 7 through He said, when he was talking about a specific time, watch this, the Holy Spirit would be poured out and Jesus used the words, not yet. The Bible says, the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Jesus was in the in-between. But watch this, in order for the Holy Spirit to be given, there was a process. Come on, everybody say process. Jesus had to be born. Jesus said, I will go into the world. They may not recognize me. They may reject me. But God planted him into a world. He came into the world as a baby. and We're going to celebrate that in just a few months, the Christmas season. Jesus was willing to come into the world as a seed. And then he would grow up. And I love what he told a couple of religious leaders when his own family forgot about him. Mary and Joseph lost Jesus. Can you imagine the headache of losing a child for about three days? They find Jesus, you know where he was? He was at the temple and they said, Jesus, what are you doing? he says, I'm about my father's business. At 13, 14 years old, watch this. And Jesus was in the process in the in-between for about 30 years. He prepared 30 years for three years of ministry of his life. And he was born, he grew up, the Bible says in wisdom and he grew up and as he grew up, he would have to go through a process of betrayal. It was part of the process for Jesus, betrayed by Judas. Then he was scourged. He had to be scourged because Isaiah said that by his stripes, you and I would be healed by his stripes. Come on, anybody thankful for the healing power of God? Yes, that he went through the process. But he had to be scourged and whipped. And then he had to die. He had to die on the cross. And then he died on the cross. And then he raised up from the dead, my church family, all of this, there was a set time, a set time. And Jesus says, the Holy Spirit could not yet come because I have not yet been glorified. But when I am glorified, I'm not just gonna be on the earth in one place at one time. Here's what's gonna happen. I'm going to pour out my Holy Spirit and he's going to be with you everywhere, all the time, all over the world. He will never leave you and he will never forsake you. But before he is poured out, I have to be glorified. And the question I have is what do we do in the not yet time. What do you do when you're in You're not yet? What do you do between the promise and the fulfillment of the promise? And here's where I just want to spend the remainder of our time. I believe Jesus did three things. I want to share this with you. Here's the first one. Jesus stayed focused. He stayed focused. You know, God gives us the ability to focus on anything you want to focus on. Jesus stayed focused on the finish. Here's the reality, you can focus on your circumstance, you can focus on the people who rejected you and hurt you, right? Jesus' own disciples would betray him and he would, that one would even deny him. One would even doubt him, Thomas would doubt him. You can focus all that and say, I'm not going to the cross. I'm not gonna raise from the dead. And that can be your focus. But can I just encourage you today? Jesus focused on the finish and your finish is dependent on your focus. Let me say that again, your finish and what God wants to produce in your life is all dependent on what you focus on. You know, I think this is such a powerful scripture in Hebrews chapter 12, verse two. Are you glad you came to church today? Look at, are you ready? I'm going to give you a key. I'm going to give you a key today of how Jesus, I would say in the worst pain of his human life, when he was on the earth, how he endured the cross. Are you ready? He's going to give us a key in Hebrews chapter 12, verse two. It says, looking away from all that will distract to Jesus. In other words, you and I as Christians are to keep our eyes on Jesus looking away from all that would distract to Jesus, who is the leader and the source of our faith, giving us the incentive for our belief. And it is, and is also its finisher, bringing to maturity and perfection. Watch this, he, Jesus, for the joy set before him, endured the cross. I love the way that this translation, the Amplified, says this, he, for the joy of obtaining the prize, For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising and ignoring the shame. And is now seated at the right hand of the father. My church family, let's not minimize this. There was shame. He was rejected, but it gives us a key. The Bible says that Jesus, listen to this, put the joy before him, set before him. Because he set his mind on the joy that was before him, he was able to endure the cross. I like to say it this way, Jesus endured the cross because he focused on the fact that what was set before him was greater than the current state that he was in. Are you ready? You ready for this statement? Some of you want to go deep, we're gonna go deep. Jesus didn't allow, he didn't allow the cross to rob him of his joy. Are you ready? This is big boy church. You choose joy, you choose it. And in the horrific death of Jesus, kept his mind on in 2019 there will be people who will give their lives they will be forgiven they will come into heaven because of what is happening on this cross it was the joy that was set before him you can sit here and look at the cross you can and the bible says let's not minimize the cross my my church family Isaiah says that if you looked at Jesus on the cross, he actually looked so marred, you would not be able to tell that he was a man. But the Bible says the joy that was set before him, Jesus focused on the finish in the midst of what he was going through. But see, I meet people that are always focused on what they're going through instead of focusing on the finish. And here's the, th- the good thing about God. The good thing is about God is that he will finish what he started in you. He is a finisher, even in the midst of moments of the cross, God finished. Jesus died. They didn't take his life. He gave his life and he rose again. And now he sits at the right hand of the father and the Holy Spirit has been poured out. And you know what? The Holy Spirit inside of you is gonna make you a finisher and you're gonna finish. And even though you may be in process, and you may in be in between listen you will finish come on say I'm gonna finish I'm gonna finish but here's what happens it happened to Jesus it's gonna happen to you you're gonna be tempted in the process because process is not fun it's not fun but it's necessary Growth isn't fun a lot of times. Change is not fun. But Jesus found himself in the garden before the cross, sweating blood, my friends. And there was a war in his soul, in his physical, that said, and he prayed, God, if you could take this cup for me, please take this cup. But I love what he says. He says, Not my will, but your will. done. My church family, if you don't know what the will of God is, just say, God, your will be done. I don't know what my will is. I don't know what I'm thinking, but forget about my will, not my will be done. Your will be done. And in the moment, he chooses to focus on the finish. Here's why. Because there's always a temptation to give up in the process. Can I tell you why? Because we give up in the process because we can find instant gratification because we're like, man, no, I know I need to change. Oh, but you know what? It feels so good to be mad. It feels so good to just talk to people however I want to talk to people. It just feels so good. It doesn't take any work. It doesn't take any work to live like I'm living. There's a temptation for instant gratification do you know that if Jesus would have said no to the cross none of us would have ever been to heaven or could go to heaven and experience the life that he came to give us but aren't you thankful that God is not a quitter aren't you thankful that he went through what he went through for you Aren't you thankful that because he's not a quitter, he's not going to quit on you? Come on, somebody. And he's not going to quit on what he invested in you? Come on, you can give him a good round of applause. (laughs) Jesus, focus on the will of God. Stay focused. You know, I want to hit the target that God intended for me to hit. And there's a difference. For those of you that know about guns, there's a difference between living a shotgun approach to life and a rifle approach to life. See, a shotgun makes a big, loud sound, and it sprays in a hundred different ways. But here's the reality. It loses its power and impact about 10 to 15 feet. But a shotgun, a, a rifle, excuse me, a rifle is to be aimed at a specific target. Paul said, I don't, I don't run my race as someone who beats the air. Don't know what the target is. He says, I run my race on purpose to obtain the prize. Come on. He didn't say, even Paul didn't even say, I don't run to finish. He says, I run to win. There's a lot of people who are gonna finish, but we need to win and that's possible. To me, that when to win is you fulfilled the purpose and the God-given destiny that God has put on your life. That's a win, my friends. But a rifle, what it does, is it's aimed at a specific target and it impacts the target at high velocity, velocity. And some people live a shotgun kind of life. Whatever happens, happens. That's a shotgun. But there are people who say, I wanna be focused on what God is calling me to do. I don't wanna be involved in everything and everything, dabbling in everything. Cause if you do, if you live your life trying to please people Don't be surprised if you start living somebody else's destiny. Don't be surprised if you don't start living other people's expectations. Listen, here's what I know. I'd rather please God than please people. Because people are flaky, people will turn back and they'll turn their back on you, they'll talk about you. But Jesus says that he will never leave me, he will never forsake me. Come on, can you give him a good round of applause for his faithfulness? Ephesians chapter 5 verse 15 says, look carefully then how you walk. Live purposely. Come on, everybody say purposely. Live purposely. Know, in other words, live like your life that you know that you were planted purposely. He says, look carefully then how you walk. Live purposely and worthily and accurately. I love to say this about Jesus' death. I always want to live a life that's worthy of the death that he died. I wanna take that to heart. He died for me. I wanna live for him. I wanna live for him. Look carefully then how you walk, live purposely. Now know that I was planted and worthy and accurately, not as the unwise and the witless, the Amplified says, but as wise, sensible, intelligent people making the most. Come on, everybody say making the most making the most of the time, buying up every opportunity because the days are evil, verse 17. Therefore, do not be vague and thoughtless and foolish. So many people live a vague life, a vague life. He says, don't be vague and thoughtless and foolish, but understanding and firmly grasping what the will of the Lord is. My church family, I'm just gonna encourage you. Don't miss next week. I'm going to talk about changing seasons next week. I almost preached it this week, but I just felt like I needed to save that for the grand finale because a lot of us don't know what to do when seasons don't go our way. And I believe that there is a key in the word of God that when seasons are inconsistent, we can be consistent. And I'm going to show you how to do that next week. Everybody say next week. Can't you show us today? No, you'll have to come back next week. Stay focused. Number two, Jesus was faithful. Be faithful. Be faithful. I love to preach about the grace of God. And the grace of God says this, God never asks you to do something that he doesn't empower you to do. Do you know that you can never be fruitful without being faithful? Come on, you need to take a picture of that. You cannot be fruitful without being faithful. Why? Because you can't force fruit. Do you know that if this seed right here goes through the process, this seed doesn't go "Mm -hmm. Ah, trying to change. You put this in soil, expose it to the light, put some water on it, and it'll start to happen. It'll start to happen. Fruit isn't forced, but watch this. Here's the thing you can be faithful. You can, you know why you can be faithful? Because faithfulness is a fruit of the Spirit. Faithfulness is part of what the Holy Spirit is working in your life. You actually have, I think it's so funny, we're looking for joy. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. It's already inside you. Just choose it. Connect it. Can I tell you what also brings joy to our life? Thanksgiving always brings joy. That's why, do you notice, there's going to be a shift in season, right? Everybody's like, ooh, Halloween, kill everybody, kill everything. Ah." And we go from that to, oh, my gosh, the Christmas season and Thanksgiving. I'm so thankful. And all of a sudden, where does all this joy come from? You know where the joy comes from? The joy comes from you being thankful. If you start counting your blessings, joy will pop up. Can I go deep just for just a minute? Because the word in the Greek, grace, is actually the word charis. Do you know the word uh, for joy is chara? Grace, charis. Do you know the word thanksgiving is you eucharisto? So here's what happens. Every time you make a decision to be thankful, you are recognizing the grace of God in your life. And here's what happens is we always think about what we don't have instead of being thankful for what we do have. God has given us this day. Thank you, Lord. This is the day that I will rejoice and I will be glad in it. I am not in a hospital today. I am not in a prison today. I am alive. Thank you for this day. Thank you that I have a roof over my head. Thank you that I have food in my cabinet. Thank you that I have a job. Thank you that I have some kids. I know that sometimes they act like demons, but Lord, I thank you that they are an angel. I thank you, God. What happens? Joy starts to happen, and it's already inside you. Here's what happens when every time you acknowledge the grace of God, you're thankful, and thanksgiving always turns into joy. But let me just encourage you. You also have faithfulness as a fruit of the Spirit. Come on, is this good? And here's what I wanna encourage you to do in the seasons of in between. Let's draw on that faithfulness that God has put in our life. Let's draw upon it. And this isn't about trying harder. This is actually just about trusting deeper, trusting deeper. And here's the good news. Are you ready for this? Even when you're not faithful, he's still faithful. I love it. 2 Timothy two thirteen. if we are faithless, He remains faithful, true to his word and his righteous character for he cannot deny himself. My church family, God is faithful. Even when you turn your back on him, he's right there. He is stalking you. His love is relentless. And he keeps going after you telling you, I love you he did that to me when I was 18, 17 years old, I would say, nobody loves me. And I was to hear this little voice. I love you. No, no, no. Nobody loves me. Nobody cares. I care. No, 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 no. no. Nobody believes in me. I believe in you. No, I don't. There was a time I didn't even believe in God. I don't believe in you, God. That's okay. I believe in you. Would you just shut up? You're so annoying. And here's what happened. Eventually, I just surrendered. And even when I was faithless, He was still faithful. And let me say this to you before I give you the last one for today. Some of you, you don't know where you're at. You don't know and understand where you're at. But I want to tell you something. God has not given up on you. His word has not changed over your life. Come on, somebody. God has not changed his opinion of you. Maybe you changed. He has not changed. And today, if you'll decide to follow him, Get right back up. Get back into your season. See, sometimes we can prolong seasons by not doing what God is asking us to do. But today you can come back because he is waiting with open arms. God has not changed your purpose. He began the good work in you. He will finish it. Can I just say this? Let's not misinterpret delay for denial. Just because it hasn't happened yet doesn't mean that God's not faithful. It just means it's coming and you're in process and it's gonna happen. There's things that are breaking through and you're gonna see that what that seed will produce and you're gonna walk into a Kairos moment. But can I just say this? I believe we become less committed because we lose sight of the cause And the focus of why we're here and what God has asked us to do. I love when Jesus was on trial before Pontius Pilate. These words always just get me so excited. John 1837 says this, Pilate therefore said to him, Jesus was on trial. And Pilate was saying, are you a king? And Jesus looked at him and he said these words, you rightly say that I am a king. I love these words. For this cause, Jesus said, I was born. And for this cause, I have come into the world. In a time of his life where people betrayed him and he's on trial, he reminds himself of the cause of which he was born. Can I just remind you of wherever you're at, remind yourself of the cause of Christ. Can I hear a good amen today? I wanted to do that today. I want to remind you that you were born for this moment. And here's the last one. Anybody glad they came today? Here's the last one for today. I smell the food coming in from outside. We're going to head out there in just a moment. Jesus was faithful. Jesus was focused. And here's the last one. Let's be fervent. You know, fervent means to be passionate. It means that Jesus was passionate about his journey you know what, every once in a while, I know that you're not where you need to be. And I know that you may be in a place where I just, I just not gonna stay here, but I know I'm not where I need to be. Can we stop and just smell the roses and thank God that we're not where we used to be? And Jesus, in all of his life, he kept his passion. And I just wanna end with this this morning. I think there's a misconception about passion. I think people feel, I think people think that passion is a feeling and an emotion. Listen, you can definitely feel passion, I love it. But listen, it doesn't start with a feeling, your passion starts with a choice. But I think here is the, the, the misconception, they're like, Okay, pastor. I, I want to be passionate about Jesus and so they're sitting around and go, "Okay, I'm going to wait." I'm going to wait for passion. Like we're waiting for an Uber. Where's our Uber? He's coming. Okay. One day I'm going to be passionate about Jesus. Okay. Here it comes Here comes the passion. Ah, <laughs> oh, thank you, Lord. Doesn't work that way. I wish it did. I wish I just got hit on the side of the head with passion. yeah! Yeah. Didn't work that way. Come on, somebody. There are people that are passionate about the LA Chargers. Passion. You know why? They chose it. They chose it. They chose it. You know why you're passionate about your hubby and your spouse? Because you chose it. Love is more of a choice than it is a feeling. But watch this. Can I tell you how passion comes into our life? This morning, I got up and I felt funky. Anybody feel funky? Not you, just me. Okay, that's cool. It's awkward, but I know. You leave me up here all by myself. I got up and I felt funky but I made a decision. Every day I recommit my life to Jesus and I get up and I say, thank you Lord for allowing me to get up today. And today I choose you over feeling funky. Guess what happened? Passion came into my life. There was a day when I was 19, I got down on my knees and I said, Lord, here's my life. I made a choice and he filled my life with passion. I am not passionate about Jesus because I feel it. I'm passionate about Jesus because I choose it. So when I come into worship, I don't care what's going on. I'm going to choose Jesus. I don't care how I feel. I don't care what I'm thinking. But here's the reality. I just don't feel anything during the worship. Choose him and watch what happens. Choose to worship. Choose to praise. Choose to give. I just don't feel like giving. You never, ever will as long as you're in your flesh. But once you choose it, oh, it feels good. Oh, it feels good. Ooh, it feels good. Because the right choices always lead to the right emotions. I love my wife more than I ever have. Today, oh, she's funky, fine. But let me just tell you this. I choose it every day. I choose it every day. You can choose to be negative. That's why you feel negative. I don't know why I feel negative. Because you choose it. You choose what's going on in your mind. Let me end with this today. Jesus, the Bible says people were rejecting him. And in Luke chapter 9, verse 51, it says, and it came to pass when the time had come for him to be received up, watch this, that he steadily set his face towards Jerusalem. Watch this. He chose to look at Jerusalem. Jesus's passion came from his focus because while people were rejecting him, he said, I'm gonna fix my mind on Jerusalem. Your passion is connected to your focus. And he focused, my church family, let's not get lost in the process. Your season is coming. And God is working in you to will and to do His will in your life. Come on, let's give Him a good round of applause. Would you stand up today? Thank you for listening today. We hope that you were encouraged and uplifted by today's message. For more information about Passion Life Church, visit us online at passionlifechurch.com.